You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Matt Price, joined by Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. This week, we are going to take a look at these rookies from a little bit different perspective. Uh, we're going to be going uh, two divisions at a time for the next couple, next four weeks, I guess, uh, using the lens of cash, stash, or future trash. And this week, we'll be looking at the NFC and AFC Western divisions. Uh, so just to define these terms a little bit, cash is, means that you're going to be able to get something out of the, these players in, in 2019, in their rookie seasons, whether it's production to help out your team or uh, you know an increase in value that you can use to, uh, as trade bait to, to flip them for, for future picks or, or veterans that can help you down the road. So that's the definition of cash. Cash Stash, obviously, is is a, a guy that's probably not going to do a lot this year, but somebody who uh, maybe is blocked by a veteran for this season or just needs some development and is going to be able to pay off for you in a future season. And then future trash is just just what it is. It's just trash. Probably going to end up as a roster clogger at some point or, uh, you know, eventually just, just kick to the waiver wire from, from your maybe straight from your taxi squad in 2019. So we're going to start with the NFC West. And, of course, we're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals because they have had the 101 in the 2019 NFL draft. Kyler Murray, quarterback from Oklahoma, 5'10", 207 pounds. Ryan, uh, this this answer seems pretty easy for us. Yeah, absolutely cash. Um, and it's more about his his value than uh, any confidence in his production. He's, uh, I think you guys are going to be shocked by this. I had to just look this up. In our ongoing ADP that we're collecting right now, it will be on the site soon. How do you think he ranks among quarterbacks? 12. 14. <laughs> he is quarterback eight. He's being drafted. What? Uh, ahead of Jared Goff, ahead of, uh, ahead of many others, obviously, that are, that are um, certainly qualified and have that, have that production that, that he doesn't have yet. So uh, that's, that's going to be a lot to live up to when it comes to Kyler Murray's value. But uh, all the pieces seem to be in place with uh, how they drafted uh, their coaching staff, et cetera. Do you think that means he's a, right now a sell then, at least in one quarterback leagues? I mean, yeah, I mean, quarterback A before he's played a game? He probably is. He also has a, he has a first round. If you're just looking at rookie ADP, he has a first round ADP. He was 1.12 in our ADP that's on the site right now. Uh, I've seen him drafted in the first round of some of my own uh, rookie drafts that I'm in. So yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to flip Kyler Murray for Jared Goff or Cam Newton and something, Lamar Jackson and something, um, yeah. certainly any of the the old guys, Rivers, Breeze, Brady, uh, those those are pretty easy deals to make uh, as far as the the likelihood that they get accepted. Yeah, and I think people are so excited about him that they're gonna start. And I guess they already have. If that ADP is any uh, indication, they're they're going to give away players that at at other positions that are valuable, and and maybe even in those one quarterback leagues where it's so difficult to to move quarterbacks, um, you might see those guys moving up. You talk about him being a first round pick in rookie drafts. That's just shocking to me. I, I there's no way I would even spend the twelfth pick on him. So I guess. He's cash in the sense that you can get something for him. I really think he's a stash, though, because you're going to have to... I I don't think he's going to take the league by storm by any means. We're going to have to wait beyond 2019 to see his potential and that full upside. Um, I I have a hard time seeing him, you know, going out and um, being a quarterback one immediately and starting in one quarterback leagues. I think we get might, might get like six to eight, you know, high quarterback two, qu- low quarterback one kind of games from him in, in 2019. That would be a, be a reasonable expectation. Uh, Dan, we'll go back to you with the next guy. Uh, they, of course, took a trio of wide receivers. 
with uh, in three of their next five picks or so. The first one, Andy Isabella, wide receiver, UMass taking a pick uh, round two, pick 30, 5'9", 188. Uh, currently, the depth chart at the from from our our lads list: Fitzgerald, Chad Williams, and Christian Kirk as the three starting receivers, uh, with Andy Isabella obviously uh, behind Kirk in, in the slot there, at least right now. But we know with this offense, that's going to change up uh, the way they want to use all of these guys. So, what do you think about Andy Isabella there? Well, I, I think any depth chart that you look to, look at is just conjecture right now. You're just kind of yeah. hoping for the best with it. Um, your guess is as good as mine. I think there's probably a pretty good chance that one of these wide receivers make an impact. Uh, one of these guys that they they drafted, and again, your guess is as good as mine as to which one it is. If I had to put money on it, it would probably be Isabella, though, um, because I, I think he kind of blends with what's already there and, and has a chance and probably is the most uh, well-rounded of the group, and that's probably the reason he was the first of the wide receivers drafted because he's uh, the most polished receiver of the three that they took. Uh, I guess if I had to say something with Isabella, I'd call him Cash. I do like him. Uh, I like the way the place he's drafted in rookie drafts right now too. He's not overvalued by my estimation. Yeah, I, I agree. He's cash. I had had the chance to have a, a good conversation with Evan Silva on another podcast, and I was asking asking him what he thought about this Cardinal situation because they've got Larry Fitzgerald, who uh, who has basically been in the slot for the past three or four years, extending his career. Uh, they've got Christian Kirk, as you guys mentioned, who uh, seems like a natural fit in the slot, uh, and then and then the same could be said about Andy Isabella. And I just ask, what what's their plan? And he said, the plan is they're running four wide. This uh, this new offense with Cliff Kingsbury, they're going to have multiple slot wide receivers on the field all the time. Um, so that that gave me a little more confidence in uh, the the short term uh, outlook for Isabella and and Christian Kirk as well. I think since the draft, there was a little bit of concern from dynasty owners uh, about him. You know, maybe there's something we don't know, or maybe we're overrating Christian Kirk after one season. Uh, So I feel pretty good about that entire offense, honestly. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to Fitzgerald, you know, listed as the left starting left white receiver again on this depth chart that probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but he's had a lot of his success in the slot the last couple of seasons. So it'll be interesting if he'll be able to do it from the outside or, or he'll just be mixed in, in the slot with these other guys. Um, I think I'll agree with you guys, Cash, for Andy, Andy Isabel. We'll probably get some production out of him this season. Next guy, Ryan, you and I, is one of our favorites uh, from the pre-draft process. Hakeem Butler taken out the 401, uh, wide receiver from Iowa State, 6'5", 227. We know the deal with him. Super big guy, physical, great at the, the catch point, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit questionable hands. Um, but what do you think about him for his future in Dynasty? He's He's become one of the one of the toughest rookies for me to value in this class. In fact, there's there's two of them that come to mind. We're going to talk about both of them tonight, and and he's the first. Uh, as you said, I, I loved him pre-draft. He he at one point he was uh, sitting at the top of my overall rookie rankings. Uh, that that changed actually before the draft. I dropped him a little bit, and then obviously uh, obviously dropped him quite a bit more after he fell to the fourth round. So it, it's just trying to find that balance of uh, he fell further than we thought he might, uh, but he landed in what looks like a nice spot, uh, although it is crowded again. Excited to see what that offense looks like in the NFL. So he, he's kind of settled in as as an early second rounder in, in most leagues that I've seen. I think I'm comfortable with that value, but I'm not sure we're going to get the immediate production from him. Yeah, and that, that's what makes him a stash, really. Um, also, the, we've already talked about the depth chart there in the desert, and, and we just don't know how that's going to shake out, even with four wide on the field all the time and, and running multiple receivers in and out. We don't know what kind of playing time that, that equals for Hakeem Butler, especially because he's the he's that big guy of that group. You mentioned that he's 6'5", 227, uh, the guy that can sky for it and maybe can find a role right away in the red zone and uh, near the goal line. But Hakeem Butler overall looks like, especially looking at his, his um, draft 
spot falling to the fourth round looks like maybe a little bit of a project. Maybe there's a little bit more to do there. Um, and if that's the case, he's definitely a stash. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you guys. I think he kind of rides the line between cash and stash because, like you said, Dan, as a as the big guy out there and maybe able to establish himself in the end zone and the red zone area of the field, you know, he could put up like a – I don't want to say double-digit touchdowns. That's probably strong. But, you know, upper upper single digits, I think, is, is maybe his path to production in 2019 at least. Um, offers a little bit – something a little bit different than the rest of those receivers on that roster. So uh, next guy, Keyshawn Johnson. Wide receiver, Fresno State, uh, 6'1", 6'1", some amount of pounds. <laughs> edit point, edit point. 6'1", uh, Keyshawn Johnson, drafted at the 601. Uh, Ryan, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. Uh, give, give us your opinion on him. I, I liked him a little bit pre-draft as, as a sleeper. He did not have a good combine, was really, really slow. Did not did not show well uh, in Indianapolis and you know, maybe maybe that was part of the fall. Um, this is another one I can't decide on the landing spot. If he was uh, if he was a sixth or seventh rounder uh, for any other team, I, I guess I would like him even less. But the competition for touches is is obviously a concern for him. I, I mean, he's he's certainly a stash, but he he might even be future trash. Uh, just just with this opportunity we've got two other receivers drafted ahead of him plus kirk is is a young guy as well so i just i don't know if he's going to ever get a chance with this team yeah i i share that sentiment for sure ryan the thing that i go back to is before we found out how fast he was when he ran at the combine and maybe how slow he was is the better way to put it. Uh, Cause he was in the four sixes and everybody got, was disappointed and became concerned with his upside before all that. When you watched him play in college uh, at Fresno state, he felt like a smooth route runner that looked kind of savvy and, and moved around. Well, he looked quick and, and really was able to get separation. So those numbers while they are concerning and, and may make some people raise an eyebrow, um, when you watch him play, he looks better than what he tested. So I have a feeling that those those numbers from the combine are what dropped his draft capital or his his maybe upside, and we might see a little bit better player than than what a sixth round pick usually brings. So I you know while he could be future trash. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards stash and, you know, one of them guys that you want on a taxi squad, any free roster spot, or if you're in a deep league, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. I have him in the top 36 of my rookie rankings. I'm willing to take him in the third round because of that landing spot and that upside that I saw when I watched him play in college. I like the player. I like the landing spot and getting that kind of guy late, especially in the third round feels pretty good. I'm pro- I'm probably out. That seems really crowded. A lot of talented guys ahead of him, but uh, maybe in those deeper leagues, like you said, 30, 35 roster spots, you're gonna you're gonna be able to keep him ar- keep him around. Uh, all right, last guy f- up skill position wise for the Cardinals, a tight end, Caleb Wilson, tight end from UCLA, six four two forty, Mister Irrelevant in the twenty nineteen NFL draft. Uh, a guy who, you know, he, he had some steam, I think, in the pre-draft process. Uh, you know, he's okay at separating, seems inconsistent as a route runner, uh, fast as all get out, a little bit light, I think, for, at 240 for a tight end in general. Um, and, you know, kind of a crowded depth chart there at tight end with Ricky Seals-Jones, if you're still into him, and uh, just brought on Charles Clay this year, probably a one-year solution there. But any hope for Caleb Wilson, Dan? You know, I kind of liked Caleb Wilson, and, and he ran – decent at the combine or or quick at the combine. So I had him in my top six or seven pre-draft. And when he slid all the way to the seventh round, he got bumped all the way down to 11 for me. So I I thought maybe somebody would see him at that, as that seam stretcher. Um, Now this is a decent landing spot there. There seems to be room for a pass catching tight end in Arizona uh, because of the depth chart that you mentioned. I think most likely though, there's, there's not a lot of seventh-rounders that come through that I, I, I'm a little bit concerned. I think I lean towards future trash, uh, but but he, I guess in a law, a big, a large league, uh, he is a stash. There's just so many tight ends in this class and, and so many more that I'd rather use a, a rookie draft pick 
on maybe even in the fourth round. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I just think the the tight end depth this year is is too great for him to earn a roster spot in most leagues. Uh, maybe maybe if it's a tight end premium league, he gets a, a bump up over uh, over a late round running back or a wide receiver. But I, I just don't see it with him. I know he he was Mister Irrelevant, but I was actually surprised he got drafted at all. Um, so I'm, I'm avoiding him. Samesies. Let's talk about some UDFAs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these guys, you guys are going to have to help me out with these ones. If anybody sticks out here, Drew Anderson, quarterback, Murray State, Xavier Turner, running back, Tarleton State, which I didn't even know was a thing. AJ Richardson, wide receiver, Boise State, Jerome Washington, uh, tight end from Rutgers. Ryan, anything with these guys? Anything to see? Um, no, <laughs> nothing to see. <laughs> it's it's just tough to say with any of these UDFAs. Yeah. I mean, we we would have said we probably would have said nothing to see with Philip Lindsay this time last year. So uh, maybe one of these guys emerges, but um, honestly, I'm just not familiar with any of them. I think the key point here, Dan, is to pay attention to these guys in training camp. You know, we have had players really just kind of show up on the radar in, in that guys like Adam Thielen that is now now Dynasty Staples, you know, they started out uh, by making noise on the practice squad in these offseason workouts. There was a lot of talk about him, you know, beating Xavier Rhodes uh, in, in practice a lot. So, you know, I think that's really the key with these guys. Yeah, just keep your keep your nose at the grindstone, really, and, and your ear to the ground and, and wait for those smoke signals because – Really, those beat writers and those roto world blurbs and things like that—that'll that'll tell us when to get get uh, put your attention towards one of these UDFAs. All right, let's move on to the Rams. This is going to be real easy. They only drafted one skill position player that we care about at 306. They actually traded up to take Daryl Henderson, running back from Memphis, 5'8", 208. One of, our, uh, one of our favorites, I think, a little bit here on the podcast in terms of what he can bring. I think that he gets a little bit of, uh, of shade thrown his way because of the landing spot behind Todd Gurley, but I honestly think that they're going to be able to use him in addition to Gurley. And then if Gurley goes down uh, with this knee thing, this constant knee thing that's dropping his dynasty stock, uh, then Henderson could could really be a, a true asset for us. So I'm going to go ahead and just say cash here, Ryan. I'm going to say cash as well. And I, I talked about the uh, the two players that I'm having a hard time really finding accurate value on. It's it's Butler and it's Henderson. Uh, again, the conflicting information. They traded up for him. They clearly uh, clearly wanted him and valued him that way. But we know the landing spot. We know Todd Gurley. What we don't know is just how serious this injury is, both short-term and long-term. Uh, but uh, the, the conversation that everybody has had is the same one that, that I would point out, that they, they made an effort to retain Malcolm Brown. They traded up for, for Henderson. There's, there's maybe some fire to this smoke, and, and I think we, at the very least, we need to move Todd Gurley down our running back ranks. He's already falling in ADP. He's almost out of the first round in Dynasty ADP, and uh, as, as he's moving down, Henderson is quickly moving up. Yeah, Henderson moved down my rankings because of the landing spot, but he's slowly starting to creep back up. The more I think about how much I liked him, you know, that big play uh, big play guy, always, anytime he touches the ball, he can turn it into a touchdown, um, always keeps his legs churning at the line of scrimmage and breaks a lot of tackles, and then he, he's also useful in the passing game. So he checks a lot of the boxes for us as dynasty and fantasy owners. We like to have those kind of running backs on our roster. If he does get that opportunity and Gurley does go down with an injury, I think he's quickly cash. But because of that question mark and and I just don't think immediately they're going to start turning to this rookie when they got Todd Gurley, uh, who just got that big contract, by the way. We're, we can't just anticipate that, that they're going to start using him completely different. So I think I lean towards maybe blending the two, call him future cash. Uh, <laughs> he's a good one and he will be good, but I think it's going to be down the road. And they've got a bunch of UDFAs. Uh, I'll read them off real quick. A trio of tight ends, Romella Brooker, Kendall Blanton, Keenan Brown, a single running back, Matt Colburn from Wake Forest, and then four wide receivers, Alexander Bachman, Nisimba Webster, Jonathan Lloyd, and Justin Sumter. Any of these guys stick out for you, Dan, or more of the same? Just watch. 
Uh, more of the same. The the only name that uh, jumped off to me was Keenan Brown, the tight end. He I actually read an article about him and then went and looked him up. Um, watched a little bit of film about him because I thought I was going to find something something there. Uh, he's a he's fast guy, so he looks really fast on on film and looks like that maybe that seam stretcher, that guy that can get down the middle of the field, uh, played at a small school, Texas State. So while I won't pretend that I know any of these other guys, I did hear about Keenan Brown before the draft, and then when I found out where he landed and with that quarterback and that coach, it was enough to grab my attention. So a guy to keep on on your watch list, I guess. Yeah, I was going to point out Brown as well and and pretty much echo Dan's comments there. Uh, but it, I think it's noteworthy that they, they signed three of these UDFA tight ends. They've got the duo there that we, we've both been, or we've all been chasing over the past two or three years, but uh, those guys haven't really produced on the field. So I, I think these, basically it's, it, it's wide open game on that tight end depth chart. Uh, so, so maybe Keenan Brown can make that roster. Uh, but back to Henderson for a second. I, I think it's really interesting. We're only what a little a little over a week or something past the draft. Two weeks has it been? I don't know. It's, it's all running together. But um, we're already see him, seeing Henderson as a guy who's rising uh, since since the draft. So I think the the immediate reaction was the one Dan mentioned that the landing spot stinks. We're going to drop him down to the middle of the second round or the end of the second round. His ADP in, in the drafts that we did immediately after the draft was 17 overall. But now I'm seeing him going in uh, in the bottom of the first round. Uh, he actually went four overall in one of my leagues today, which I think that is – that's probably – an ano- that's an anomaly. We're not, we're not going <laughs> to see that too often. But uh, to see him in the late first, I think he's in that tier now. Yeah, I've seen him all over the place in mine, too. I've seen him as early as 106, so not quite as high as you, Ryan, but uh, also down into the middle of the second round. So he seems to be a guy that is, is I guess, polarizing is the word to say because he just seems all over the place right now in rookie drafts. Um, all right, let's go to the Seahawks. At, D, at 2.32, they took DK Metcalf, wide receiver Ole Miss, 6'3", 228. He's a cash for me. I actually like him better now Now that we have a landing spot for him than I did in the pre-draft process. I just think there's going to be an immediate role for him. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so I like him quite a bit. I'm going to go ahead and say cash for year one, Dan. Yeah, I will too. Uh, another guy that immediately when he was picked, I felt a little bit of hesitation not quite sure what I feel about that offense and their history of spreading the football around and focusing on that running game. But the more I think about the big guy with the speed and, and that leaping ability and all the good things about DK Metcalf, plus that coaching staff that seems to get the most out of a lot of players that go through there, the more I feel that you know if Pete Carroll is a fan of DK Metcalf, then I should be too. So I, I was a little bit hesitant right away. He did rise in my rankings really quick. In fact, by the end of the weekend, he was into the top six. So I, I feel like he's going to co- consistently go in that you know four to eight range in a rookie draft. Um, I like that range, and I'm willing to take him there for sure. I think he's going to be a star in the league. So he's he's definitely a guy I want on my team, and I would call cash. Cash for me as well, and I, I get the concern about the landing spot. Uh, they don't. They just don't throw it as much as fantasy players would like. But the the reasoning is pretty simple for me, uh, and it's it's actually the same for AJ Brown. We talked about, uh, I talked about him last week. I think he's the best receiver on the team already, um, and that's that's with the assumption that that Doug Baldwin will be forced to retire. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm not forgetting Tyler Lockett. Um, I, I just I already think. DK can produce and can be that that team's wide receiver one. And even if it's uh, not quite the volume that other wide receiver ones might get, uh, he's you know he he can still produce. And having that percentage of that Seattle offense will work. 
We have Gary Jennings up next, wide receiver from West Virginia, taken at 4.18, Another guy who's a deep vertical threat, so it, it seems pretty obvious what the Seahawks want to do here. Uh, they want to throw the ball deep in, 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 with, with DK and this Gary Jennings guy. Oh, I, see, I, saw, I, think, I think I saw he already has a hamstring injury, so that might be something to watch. Might be a setback for him. Uh, and then Tyler Lockett, of course, uh, rounding out that, that deep receiver threat. We know how, he, how efficient he was on those deep routes last year. So Gary Jennings, I'm I'm going to watch this hamstring. I'm going to I'm going to call him a stash just because of of that those receivers in front of him. And the fact that they want to run the ball a lot, obviously they're in Seattle, so maybe a volume issue for him, Ryan. Yep, totally agree. I think like uh, Keyshawn Johnson that we were talking about earlier, the the ideal stash in the late third, early fourth round. I was able to grab him in that range and in one of my leagues already. I actually had not heard about the hamstring, so that's that's a little concerning. But it, it may be 2020 before we see some real opportunity for him and, and some of these other uh, wide receivers they've added outside of Metcalf. You know, it's interesting. I think he has that reputation in the dynasty community as being that deep threat because of the speed that he showcased at the, both the senior bowl, I think it was uh, with the deep catch. And then at the combine with that speed that he, that he uh, posted. So, but really if you turn on the film and watch what he did in college with West Virginia, he was more of the underneath guy, the possession guy. So I'm not quite sure how the Seahawks view him. And because of those, uh, offensive concerns and the lack of passing, I definitely am hesitant when it comes to Gary Jennings. Like you guys said, that price is kind of baked in, though, and you're getting him in the fourth round or even late in the third. He's he's just a stash and a guy you're hoping to hit for a lottery ticket. With that kind of speed and being over six foot, there's definitely the possession or the, the possibility that he hits, though, so I'll call him a stash as well. And next up, Travis Homer, running back from Miami, taken in the sixth round of his 31st pick, 5'10", 201. He's got a little bit buzz in, in these offseason workouts, too. Uh, Roto World blurb about him having an extra gear at rookie camp and a couple of nice catches downfield, uh, so ha- offers some receiving upside. Also a top three spark athlete at the comp, uh, at the combine, so a little bit interesting to see him fall this far, and obviously a, a lot of players ahead of him there at Seattle in the backfield, uh, but maybe an interesting guy, guy to watch there, Ryan. Uh, I just don't trust him, honestly, and, and we right. we know what that backfield looks like with with Penny and Carson there. So uh, Homer, Homer falls in the trash category. Yeah, I agree, and I tried to get on board watching college stuff from him out of Miami, and it just it didn't happen for me. There were fumbles and, and problems with that. I did, I honestly didn't think he was going to get drafted. I guess he went late in the draft, but uh, not a guy, especially when I think about that that depth chart already not a guy I'm I'm trying to get onto my teams. And lastly, taking the seventh round, John Ursua, wide receiver, Hawaii, five nine one seventy eight. Hopes one of you guys know something about him. <laughs> not me. You're good. <laughs> Ryan, you're our guy. Uh, well, here, here's what I know. I know that Seattle traded in back into the draft to get him. They they were out of draft picks. Uh, we know how few picks they had in general. Uh, this year before they started making some trades. And uh, at that point in the draft, they were out of picks, traded a future pick back to get him. Um, so so for that reason alone, I, I, I guess I would say stash in, in the deepest of leagues. We're talking 35-man rosters. Just looked him up about a little bit uh, a second ago, and looks like in 2018 he actually led the nation in receiving touchdowns with 16. So... For an undersized guy, that's pretty interesting. So maybe maybe there's a role for him there in the slot. Um, okay, let's move on. Oh, to the UFDA, UD, UDFAs. One guy that sticks out here for me is Jazz Ferguson, wide receiver, Northwestern State. Another like kind of size size speed freak, uh, and not you know not quite DK Metcalf, of course, but kind of in the same vein, tall, big, uh, and, and fast. Uh, looks like he might be all already have a little bit be dinged up a little bit uh, as well. So something to watch there. Some other guys they took a couple of tight ends: McQuan Dean from Western Kentucky, Justin Johnson from Mississippi State, uh, quarterback Taryn Christian. And wide receiver Terry Wright from Purdue, running back Adam Choice for Clemson. I feel like I've heard the name Adam Choice before, Ryan. Uh, maybe you're thinking of Tashard Choice. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, other than Jazz Ferguson, I do not know much about those guys. 
And even Ferguson, I I saw the talk on Twitter about him, so I kind of looked looked it all up. He he didn't make it at LSU. He couldn't couldn't get it done. Nothing nothing going on at LSU, and had to had to go to Northwestern State to put up any kind of numbers. I know he posted well at the combine, but uh, I think that's a really long long shot there with Jasmine Ferguson. All right, San Francisco 49ers to wrap wrap up the AF NFC. Where are we at? The NFC West, guys. San Francisco 49ers at 204 took Debo Samuel, wide receiver, South Carolina, 5'11", 214. Love it. Hate it for all my Dante Pettis shares. Uh, I'm not really sure who's going to emerge as the, as the true wide receiver one there. If they are, they're probably both going to be productive, I think, but eat into the production a little bit. Um, but excited to take him near the end of round one, Dan. Yeah, I am too. And I'm similarly, I'm disappointed because of, you know, you you wanted it to be Pettis, and the weird thing really is how similar the players are. They they got a lot of similarities of the same type of player. I I really like Samuel. He's uh he's definitely uh, cash play in the in this thing. Uh, what we're doing here, um, big time upside, and to get him late in the first seems like the the right spot. Uh, other years, a guy like him landing in that spot. He seems like he'd be in the five, six, seven range of a rookie draft sometimes. Um, not this year you're, because of the depth of the class and, and there's so many players that we're excited about. You're able to get him a little bit later. I even saw him go 14 in one draft. Uh, that seemed like a steal. Yeah, 14, that, that early second round range is actually closer to where I rank uh, Debo Samuel. I was I was certainly surprised to see him as the first receiver drafted on day three for for multiple reasons, but uh, one of them being what you mentioned, Dan, that I, I kind of feel like they already had a Debo Samuel type player in in Dante Pettis. So I'll be really interested to see how those two uh, work together. We knew San Francisco was going to add a wide receiver uh, or two in this case, they and they did. So I think we all knew that Pettis was going to take a little bit of a hit in value uh, during the NFL draft. And if if I'm a Pettis owner and a fan, and and I am, I actually feel pretty good about this. This might be best case scenario for his value. I kind of agree with you because it's not like they drafted that big alpha receiver. Uh, Debo, I think, can certainly you know be a be a low end wide receiver one in terms of uh, uh, where we're talking about him in this class. But uh, I think I still I still like Pettis. So next guy, Jalen Hurd, wide receiver, Baylor, three hundred three six five two twenty six. Again, offers something a little bit different than the rest of the receivers on there. Also can play running back, started out there, played tight end for a little while. So with some of these undersized running backs, maybe we'll get a few carries out of Jalen Hurd as well, Ryan. Yeah, I, I guess I would put Hurd in that stash category. Uh, we he, He's coming off the position change just uh, basically one year ago, and the, the coaching staff is already talking about using him at running back, using him at tight end, uh, and, and not to mention the, the two receivers in front of him, at least two, Samuel and Pettis. So for me, he's a stash, but uh, they're certainly excited about getting him on that roster. So that that's a little intriguing. Yeah, and, and he played when he, when he was playing receiver in college. He played a lot inside, so there's the potential to get all these guys on the field at the same time. And you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to end up using him. I don't think a lot of people really do, but because they're so excited to get him, that there there is the it's enough to keep you intrigued and, and make you interested. Uh, I just drafted him actually today or or over the weekend uh in in a rookie draft where I got him in what would really be the third round because of extra picks I felt really good about getting him so um to get him at the 26 27 spot 28 right around there that that feels like the right kind of time to take a shot on a guy that has big time potential because of that size and last guy Caden Smith drafted at with the third pick of the sixth round, tied in from Stanford. Uh, I think he's got a tough road to hoe behind uh, George Kittle, obviously, there. But a guy who does pretty good work in the middle of the field, a big target for Jimmy Garoppolo, 6'5", 255. Uh, so it may, be, it may be a stash, but but probably, probably a multi-year stash if you're going to hold on to him, Dan. Yeah, I don't think you're expecting anything in the first couple of years behind Kittle. It's, uh, it's going to be difficult even in – really deep leagues to even use a draft pick on him and and that's even with a four or five round rookie draft 
Yeah, I totally agree. Smith is Smith is trash for me. Not only Kittle in front of him, but uh, again, the talk of using Hurd at tight end potentially uh, is more bad news for for Caden Smith. I think he's just depth on that roster. Just four UDFAs for the Niners as of today. Tyree Mayfield, tight end Wyoming. Again, tight end, so probably not going to be much, uh, at least in terms of a fantasy option. Wilton Spate, quarterback UCLA. Malik Henry, wide receiver Western Georgia. And Sean Poindexter, love that name, wide receiver Arizona. Any of these guys spark any any joy for you, Ryan? Not really. Um, I mean, Wilson Spate, we're, you're familiar with if you're a college football fan as, as the former UCLA quarterback. But to me, just just a guy probably – I mean, I, I really can't imagine him on an NFL roster. Malik Henry, former uh, four- or five-star recruit. He was a Florida State quarterback. And he was also featured on Last Chance U on, on Netflix. He did not impress me on there, both his, his football skills and his attitude. So, uh, again, a great athlete it seems, but probably not going to make it on the NFL level. Let's move on to the AFC West. We're done with the NFC West. The Denver Broncos first up. Three players for them that we care, maybe care about, maybe two of them that we care about, at least in Superflex Leagues. The first one, Noah Fant, tight end Iowa. We know all about him. Taking 1.20, they traded back. Uh, still able to pick up a, a, a starter for them, 6'4", 249. Athletic freak. I'm super excited about him. Um, probably my, my, my tight end one now uh, just because of the Hawkinson landing spot for me. Ryan, uh, this is a cash guy, I think. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I I guess the only real concern for his short-term or immediate production is is their quarterback situation and the way they've used tight end in the past few years. And I think that probably just has to do with not really having any good options. Uh, but you look at the tight end production uh, of the from the Broncos the past several years. They haven't had a top, uh, even a top twenty fantasy tight end uh, since Julius Thomas left. Yeah, and it's a different coaching staff, of course, so you don't know if there's going to be a big change there. Uh, Hopefully they get that tight end involved. You know, it was interesting with Fant. He was a guy I was really excited about. The second he was drafted, I was disappointed, and I think it was because of that reason. Because since Julius Thomas, we haven't seen anything in Denver from the tight end position. And yeah, it's probably because there hasn't been the right guy on the roster over there in Denver, but it was still a little bit... Um, concerning for me. Uh, Those concerns have subsided a little bit, and I've I've gotten more and more excited. I still have Hawkinson ranked just over Fant um, because of the draft capital and and the potential for him to always be on the field, be in potentially a little better offense, and for sure with a little better quarterback. So I'll I'll stick with Hawkinson, but I'm still pretty excited about Fant's upside, and he's definitely a first-rounder in rookie drafts. I think there's a little bit of hope there. Maybe I'm extrapolating a little bit, but we have seen Joseph Flacco have success with tight ends in the past with Dennis Pitta uh, to some extent. Much different player than Fant, obviously, but a little bit of little bit of uh, optimism there for him. 2.10, they took Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri, 6'4", 228. Uh, probably a super flex option, you know, in the, the late second round, early third round, something like that. Ryan, give, give us any details there you have with ADP. Uh, probably a stash in super flex and maybe trash in, in non-super flex. Yeah, I actually don't have any super flex ADP, but I would imagine Locke is going to go off in, in the middle of the second round. We're seeing both Locke and uh, and Daniel Jones fall much further than you would typically see potential starting quarterbacks fall, uh, even in that super, super flex setting. Uh, I mean, Locke is, we think of Locke as the future quarterback there, and that, that opportunity will certainly be there, I think, maybe even as soon as, the 2019 season, but I just don't know that we can trust John Elway's decision when it comes to the quarterback position, which, which is crazy to say, but with what we've seen in, in his uh, track record over the past few years, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't give us reason to be confident. Yeah. And you know, me, when I watch quarterbacks coming out of college, I'm a sucker for arm strength and that talent and especially a quick release, and he has all that. But there's something about Drew Locke that I, I just never got on board with, really. Uh, it just wasn't always there. And, you know, the fact that Denver traded up for him, that's a good sign. And he, he was a top 45 pick, so that that's a good sign as well. 
Um, there was talk of him going even in the first round and maybe an expectation that he would. So all those things are good things. Like you said, Ryan, they haven't had a lot of luck with that quarterback position, and I don't know if Locke's going to change that. So he's not necessarily a guy that I'm targeting, even in those super flex or two quarterback leagues. Last guy, uh, I think we can probably just move on for him unless you guys have anything on Juwan Winfrey. Uh, what I know about him is good size, 6'3", 215, uh, drafted sixth, sixth round of the 14th overall pick out of Colorado. Uh, lots of trouble staying healthy in his career, finished with just 60 catches in his entire college career. So seems like it might be a difficult road for him. Yeah, he's, he's another guy in, in most leagues we play in that's not going to be worth a roster spot. But he's also another guy that – uh, the team traded up to to draft. So again, that's that's always a little bit noteworthy. But in this case, uh, prob- probably not enough to get him on a roster. Just in the interest of time, I'm gonna kind of skip through the the UDFAs for these last few times. But one guy that does stick out here uh, for the Broncos is Brett Rippin, quarterback, Boise State. Kind of a like an extension of the coach, kind of quarterback. You know, is gonna do exactly what he's told, that kind of thing. So uh, there's potential there. If Drew Locke flames out, maybe he can uh, uh, you know make some noise in, in the future once Flacco moves on. Uh, we'll move to the Kansas City Chiefs. Two players here. Uh, I'm going to throw them both together. Definitely different, but just for the, the, the process of moving forward with the show. Miko Hardman, wide receiver, Georgia, 2.24, uh, drafted in the 2019 draft, and Darwin Thompson, running back, Utah State, six, in the sixth round. Uh, both very interesting prospects. Mark Hardman, kind of not quite Tyreek Hill, but is going to play that role if, if Tyreek does move on. His value, I think, Ryan, is going to change a lot depending on what happens with that situation. Yeah, it's already changing. He's he's a late first rounder in most rookie drafts I've seen. Again, that's a, a pretty big tier. I think we talked about that last week from the middle of the first to the middle of the second. Uh, all, all pretty similar. But Hardman, we have to consider him cash at this point based on uh, what we know of the Tyree Kill situation and what we know for sure about the, the Chiefs offense. And if he's on the field, then he's a player I want on my team. Yeah, he's a guy that I want on my teams too, just because you don't want to be you don't want to miss on the next Tyreek Hill. You know, that that's what everybody paints the paints him with that brush, that that's what's gonna come. So I I don't know a lot of people that are screaming that this is a bad pick by the Chiefs or it would be a bad pick to invest uh on him in a rookie draft. I, I want him on my teams. He's smooth, he's fast, he's sudden, he he you know really uh, jumps off the page when you when you watch him play and those kind of guys in that offense with that quarterback those are guys you want on your team and of darwin thompson and you guys have any love for them i know matt waldman favorite interesting prospect a little bit undersized but but more powerful than i think i think we may may think get based on that size uh interesting if damian williams uh, isn't what we think he's going to be this year uh any any love there dan yeah, there's a little bit of love, but it's it's again because of that landing spot, because of, you know, when we were listing the best landing spots for running backs coming in to that draft, Kansas City was really high on that list because of all those question marks uh, with their backfield. So, you know, just because it's a guy that not a lot of us knew a lot about, maybe he wasn't very high in rookie rankings going into the draft, doesn't mean we should overlook him now. He's certainly not being overlooked in rookie drafts and in rookie option, auctions. Uh, I've seen him go in rookie auctions for more than I really expected him to, and that's because of the landing spot. So while I went back and watched him and, and saw him as maybe one of them three down types of guys, but not necessarily an explosive one, um, and I feel like he has upside, so he's probably some sort of level of cash. He's just not the top level of cash, I guess. Yeah, I put him in the cash category as well. Uh, we don't necessarily think of that uh, with fifth, sixth, seventh rounders, but I, the opportunity, again, it, it, I think is going to be there. We're, we would pretty much be interested in, in almost any running back that landed uh, in that Chiefs offense, but one who I think has good balance and and to his game and is is so explosive like Thompson is, I think is just somebody we have to be excited about. We're already seeing him, uh, his ADP grow. Uh, expect to take him in the early third round if you want him. Yep, cash for me. I think he's probably the better all around runner that they took in the in, in this. Uh, 
well, combined with the UDFAs, they did get an interesting UDFA as well. James William, kind of the we kind of all kind of pigeonholing him as a as a James White clone, uh, but lots of receiving ability there, and certainly could play a role uh, if an opportunity presents itself. Uh, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, this one's going to be real easy. They took one guy that maybe we care about in a few years if Philip Rivers moves on. Easton Stick, quarterback, North Dakota State, took him in the fifth round, the twenty eighth pick, six one two twenty four. Uh, kind of got that moxie reminds me actually reminds me a little bit of Philip Rivers honestly on the field so will be good to learn from him but uh, of course uh, Tyrod Taylor is a- ahead of him as well there Dan yeah and I watched a lot of Easton Stick play in college um, he's at North Dakota State and a lot of people want to talk about him because you know that's where Carson Wentz came from and he kind of took over for him and and the national championships the big games all the wins that they pile up up there totally different guy though definitely belonged in the fifth round. I will call him future trash. He, he just doesn't have the NFL arm. Uh, I, I root for him. I hope he finds a football future somewhere, you know, maybe in a different league or something like that. Uh, I like him, but I, I don't know if we see an NFL uh, NFL arm there and NFL possibilities in his future. He's not a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I did see one report that said the Chargers could use him uh, in a similar way that the Saints use Taysom Hill. So that's uh, that's not a good thing for fantasy players. Uh, he's he's trash. We'll skip these U- <laughs> He's trash. We'll skip these UDFAs and move on hey, to you the made Raiders. <laughs> I did actually. I did. Uh, it's just funny hearing you say it for some reason. Uh, Josh Jacobs running back Alabama. We all know the deal with him. 1.24, the only running back to win in the first round. Maybe the best landing spot of, of any rookie, honestly. 5'10", 220 pounds. Ryan, obviously cash, right? Straight cash, yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Straight cash only. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all going to love Jacobs. All our listeners are going to love Jacobs. I haven't heard anybody say that anything bad about Jacobs or his landing spot or his draft equity, any of the stuff. So... We're we're all fans of that. You you haven't you didn't see that that Twitter take about his his uh not the three cone drill that uh, oh, they yeah, got I with, saw it. that they drilly did that looked that's trash. looked a little looked a little <laughs> bit clumsy but that burst at the end was was real nice so anyway uh, Foster Moreau tied in LSU they took in the fourth round with the thirty fifth pick six four two fifty three you know there is an opening there with Cook vacating the premises a little bit interesting for me Ryan yeah I think he's a stash I talked earlier about uh, some of those late round third fourth uh, even deeper tight ends if if your rookie drafts go that deep. I haven't seen uh, Moreau get drafted, I don't think, in any of my leagues, but uh, I think he's he's a player to keep an eye on. Certainly, if you're in a tight end premium league, uh, he's a late rounder that I would want to stash, mostly due to that opportunity you were talking about. Yeah, the thing with him, though, is that LSU, he was used almost strictly as that inline blocker that that worked close to the line of scrimmage when he did get the chance to, to go out and catch a pass. You know, maybe they see a role for him in that. Maybe there's a goal line type of role, that play action type of type of offense that you're going to see from, from the Oakland Raiders. I, I just don't know if there's a big upside, and if it is there, it's because of the touchdowns. So um, if, if you are stashing him, you're, you're expecting to wait a few years from, for some development, and you're, you're hoping that that you know, coaching staff stays in place and continues to run that off, uh, offense and uses Moreau as that pass-catching guy in, in play action. And last but not least, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver Clemson. Just feels like he's been in college playing football forever. Still w- w- played with uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, 5'10", 184 slot receiver. Not, does not not going to offer too much athletically, but, you know, might feel, fill a role in that team and be a PPR option down the road. What do you think about that, Dan? Uh, crazy. He's one of the guys that I've moved up twice in my ranking since the draft. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I like the fit and feel like he can be that feisty guy on the inside that piles up a bunch of catches, you know, maybe never has the big touchdown upside. You, you also know about him because he played in national championship games and made really big catches. So it feels like the kind of guy that everybody's going to root for to make a splash and make an impact. I kind of think he will. He's worth the worth that third round draft pick if you can get him. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't quite call him cash, though I, I really want to, uh, but he's certainly yeah. a stash. Sure. I, I'm on board with that. 
Well, that wraps up our AFC and NFC West uh, breakdown. We're going to do something a little fun here at the end. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be useful that, that useful to you guys, but it's definitely going to be fun. We're going to do a, a one-round mock draft with just the players in these two divisions. Uh, Ryan drew the first pick, so who you got, Ryan? Uh, I think this one's pretty easy, uh, assuming we're going one quarterback league. Uh, yep. I will take Josh Jacobs. Dan's got up with the second pick. He would have been my pick. As well, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf and take the upside guy for, you know, uh, I, I wish Jacobs would fall to me in this mock that really, really matters. But since he didn't, I'll take Metcalf. <laughs> with the third pick, I will take Nicole Hardman, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that obviously has a chance to be a, a really nice uh, pick, depending on what happens with the Tyreek situation. All right, uh, I will go with... Andy Isabella at the four spot. Oh, so my guy falls to me then. I'm going to take Noah Fant at five, and I'm really happy because I had him on third in my rankings here. Wow. I thought I would have a shot at one of those two guys, but I guess none of them. So I will go back to wide receiver as well at 106, Debo Samuel. All right. Uh, yeah, gosh, this this is just showing me how uh, how loaded the West is because so many of the – the first rounders that we're taking in our actual rookie drafts are showing up here in the first round. Maybe a little bit of a drop here from Debo to the next guy. I'm going to go to the running back position and take Daryl Henderson. All right. Uh, that puts me back on the clock, and I'll go at number eight, and I'll dip my toe in the quarterback, Ross, or quarterback waters, I guess, and take Kyler Murray. That was my next guy. I was hoping he might fall one more pick. Uh, but with Kyler off the board, I'll take his receiver, Hakeem Butler. Uh, this is maybe the easiest pick of this little draft for me because I see a, a pretty clear drop from this guy to the rest of the available players. I'll take Jalen Hurd. Yeah, there was a pretty big drop there, Ryan. Uh, I guess I'll make it an, another Arizona Cardinal, and I'll take Keyshawn Johnson and, and take one of those stashes we talked about. Wow, that's, that, that, that works out well for me. He was not in my top 12, but that leaves me Darwin Thompson with the 12th pick, which feels like a little bit of a steal as much as it could be in this ridiculous exercise we're doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so our top 12 from uh, this, these two, two divisions, AFC and NFC West, Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf, McCole Hardman, Andy Isabella, Noah Fant, Debo Samuel, Daryl Henderson, Kyler Murray, Hakeem Butler, Jalen Hurd, Keyshawn Johnson, and Darwin Thompson. That's going to do it for this week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We will chat with you guys next week when we'll cover uh, the AFC and NFC East. 